Welcome to the St. Richard's Podcast Sermon of the Week. This week's message is given by the Reverend Kelly Jennings. For more information, please visit us at strichards.org. If you were single in biblical times and were looking for the best place to find a wife, you would go to a well. You'd go to a well. In the book of Genesis, the servant of Abraham's son Isaac, on the hunt for his master's wife, finds Rebecca at a well. The next generation on, Isaac and Rebecca's son Jacob, first meets his future wife, Rachel, at a well. Moses meets his future wife, Zipporah, at a well and significantly rescues her and her sisters from danger. He saves her at a well. Today in John's Gospel, so now we're in New Testament times, we see another match being made at a well. To Jewish readers of John's day, this trope would have been immediately recognizable. They knew what meeting a woman at a well meant for their ancestors. It meant that God was at work bringing two people together to marry, to be fruitful and multiply, to further the work of his kingdom and herald new generations of his beloved people. But in this famous gospel story, which is long, thank you, Jerry, for getting us through that. It is long filled with so much detail. We have Jesus meeting a woman at a well. So, what kind of match is being made here? All Lent, our gospel readings are taken from John, and each reading features a very personal encounter with a specific individual. Last week, we got to hear about Nicodemus's nighttime meeting with Jesus, Next week, it's the healing of the man blind from birth. Sorry for the spoiler. And finally, we will have Lazarus, and I won't spoil that story for you. John loves to showcase the way that our Lord sought out individuals and in each of those meetings, struck them to the heart. Each would be changed forever. In the Eastern Orthodox tradition, the woman at the well is venerated as a saint. Tradition has given her a name, too, Photina. Photina meaning enlightened one. Notice what time of day John tells us that the woman is at the well. It's noon, the brightest part of the day. Jesus and his disciples are making their way north to Galilee from Jerusalem, a dangerous journey the one we hear about in Jesus' parable, the Good Samaritan. Samaritans and Jews were not friends with each other, and if if you'd returned from Jerusalem with souvenirs in your pocket, you were at risk of being robbed. That's the context we have here. But Jesus leads his disciples straight through scorned Samaria, and they stop in a town called Sichar. While the disciples go off to buy food, probably sticking close together, Jesus remains behind, we get this beautiful detail, tired out from the journey. 
we realize he has another reason for holding back. He is planning to meet someone at the well. A Samaritan woman approaches and Jesus asks her for a drink. Notice the direction of that request. Jesus is asking this woman to give him something. Now sometimes, when we are feeling the most in need of God's grace, wanting God to do something for us, it is then when God asks us to give away something instead, to give him something. I want to pause and ask if you might consider that God would be asking you today, in the midst of everything you've got going on, every need that you might have, that there may be a way God is asking you to give him something. The woman can't believe that a Jew would even talk to her. Perhaps it's Jesus' accent or clothing that give him away. But Jesus turns things around again and says, actually, if you knew who it was who asked you for a drink, you would have asked him for a drink, and he would have given you living water. But sir, she replies, you don't have a bucket, and the well is deep. Well, the well is deep. Talk to Ruthie Scott. She just visited this church that's over Jacob's well. It's called, no surprise, St. Potina's Greek Orthodox Church. And you used to be able to, at least. Ruthie wasn't able to, but you could ask someone to, I think it was a monk, who would lower down 125 feet of rope down into the well and pull up cold, clear water to drink. Well, this woman is coming for water at noon. It's hot. She's alone, therefore, and probably prefers it that way. But Jesus is there, surprising her, probably. He tells her, essentially, he says, the thing about this water, the living water, is that when I give it to you, you will never be thirsty again. Because in you, a spring of water will gush up to eternal life. Now she's interested. Sir, give me some of this water. And it's at this point that Jesus goes straight to the heart of things. Almost like he's digging deep down to something that needs to be brought out before the living water can do any good. He asked her to call her husband. I have none, she says, right? In fact, you've had five already. The one you're with now is not even married to you. Now, there's a pattern he's digging out. There's a pattern, it would seem, in her past relationships. Maybe it's fear or abuse or addiction or unfaithfulness or all four playing roles in each of those relationships of the past. Jesus was digging, asking this woman to take the plunge with him to face what was preventing her from a full life in God. Well, she doesn't leave. She sticks around. John, our gospel writer, also has a couple of letters in our New Testament. And in his first, the first letter of John, he says this, Perfect love casts out all fear. If anyone confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. Isn't that great? Perfect love casts out all fear. So now all that remained for Jesus was to reveal to her who he was the man at the well waiting to meet his beloved. Imagine being face-to-face -face with perfect love incarnate. Imagine that. Being face-to-face -face with perfect love incarnate. 
Well, the woman can tell he's a prophet of some kind and says, I know that the Messiah will come and will tell us all things. And Jesus just tells her, you can imagine softly, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. I'm the Messiah. In a flash, we see that all fear in this woman is gone. The result of knowing this man, Jesus, who reveals and transforms things in a way, in us, in a way that no one else can, is that suddenly our fears dissipate when we face love incarnate. Our fears go away. And notice we get this beautiful detail that the woman, before she runs off to tell others about him, leaves her pail. Doesn't go back with water because she knows, she knows where the well of life is now. He's a person. Did you know that we have a well here in the church? We have a well. It's the first thing that any worshiper sees when they first come into the church. To remind us that that baptismal font, that place, is where our relationship officially begins with the man at the well. Matches with Jesus get made at the well in different ways. In my case, my parents made the match for me. I was baptized as an infant, as many of you were. My parents knew that he would be the best match for me. Parents often do. And our relationship, my relationship with the lover of souls has deepened ever since. Now, many matches at the well come much later in life. I imagine looking around that each of you has a different kind of story about how you met your match at the well. Some of them come by complete surprise. I have two friends, both of whom were Jewish, interestingly, and they both met their match, Jesus, in a dream. And one of them, actually in the dream, met Jesus deep under the water. She dreamed that she needed rescuing, and this man drew her out of the water. And when she woke up, she knew that it was Jesus. And she gave her life to Jesus, got baptized. And I know this because she was at seminary with me. And she is now a priest too. However you came to be baptized, God made this match at the well for a purpose, to further his kingdom plans. As you walk your life hand in hand with the Lord of life, the one who says about his beloved ones, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. A saint once said, Jesus loves each of us so much that he has died for each one as fully and absolutely as if there were no one else for him to die for. He is our best friend, our true father, and the only real lover of our souls. John Henry Newman. Well, friends, the well is always here. So if you're in need of another visit, you can come pray with church friends right after taking communion. They're back there to meet with you at the well. Or you can always ask a priest or a friend to join you after worship for prayer or anointing. The well, particularly in this Lenten season, prompts us to ask the lover of souls, our lover of souls, to dig again into the deepest, darkest parts of ourselves. We've got to allow him to say, I'm willing. Go ahead and dig. I'm willing to see what you dig out. 
So reveal to him this Lent. Allow him to reveal to you this Lent. The dishonesty might be in there. The fear that might be in there. The resentments, the stubbornness that might be in there that you had no idea you had and were carrying with you and was dragging you down into the depths. Only he can remove them as we allow his Holy Spirit to refresh us as nothing else can. And in those places where you might have experienced abuse or trauma, you can ask God today to take away those fears that you feel and to fill you with his strength and peace and courage and living water. Finally, I had, you might say, of course, when you hear the verse, but a verse that popped into my head thinking about this theme of meeting the man at the well. And it's a hymn that we sing quite often here. And so here's the first verse. The church's one foundation is Jesus Christ, her Lord. She is his new creation by water and the word. From heaven he came and sought her to be his holy bride. And with his own blood he bought her, and for her life he died. Church, may we each grow stronger in our personal relationship with our Lord this Lent, so that together we may fearlessly go out into the world telling everybody about the man that we met at the well. Amen. Thank you for tuning in. For service times or more information on St. Richard's, please visit strichards.org.